0: Welcome into another Otts and Audibles. You're listening to Eric Scopel's voice. Once again, Matt Prem's still on vacation. And I hate to say it, those folks listening, there might be some mailbag fans. This is a Wednesday podcast. We're not doing a mailbag. I'm joined again by Kevin Wade. And we are talking recruiting. This is going to be a deep dive into Oregon's 2021 football recruiting class, currently ranked fifth nationally. This is a big-time recruiting class. And we're going to break down – how good things could possibly get. So we're going to be doing some best-case scenario stuff on the back end here, probably just to get you fans uh, really, really excited about stuff that may not happen, but if it did happen, would be pretty darn cool. Um, so joined today with by Kevin Wade. Kevin, this is class is really coming along well. We did the emergency podcast on Saturday, obviously, talking um, Isaiah Brevard. Your, your optimism level, I'm sure, like mine and those on the message boards on, online that are just
1: Oregon supporters, seems really high right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. Very high for Oregon. I mean, number five class in the nation as it stands right now. Uh, And that's just with 16 commitments total. And they're already approaching one of the best signing classes in school history with just 16 commits. Uh, And not far from pushing that 2019 class and probably blowing that class out of the water as things stand right now. More on that would be the back end. But I think the optimism – there's a there's a real reason for optimism because you have 16 commitments. I mean, it's not like you've got 16 top targets. You've got guys that have said, I want to be a Duck. So that's pretty substantial, especially five months from signing day.
0: And for those listening that might think, Kevin and I, we both work for Duck Territory. We cover Oregon. Maybe there's a little Homer stuff here. Well, we should say on Tuesday morning, Steve Wiltfong, a 247 National Recruiting Writer – posted a new update for the race for the number one recruiting class nationally. And it starts by saying a new contender has entered the mix and that contender is Oregon. Um, you can I'm not going to spoil the whole article because I'd love for you to read Steve's writing, but he finishes basically by saying it won't be easy, probably not likely, but Oregon cannot be discounted as a contender at this point in the process, which is a story in it of itself. And I think he makes some great points there. Um, and again, I think, We would both say, Steve says in the story, it's possible Oregon could land the top class nationally. Probably very unlikely. Everything would have to break right, and a school like Ohio State would probably have to miss on some top guys for this to play out. But, I mean, just to have it be early July, and you look up Oregon as a top five class nationally, and for the national recruiting writers to be saying, Oregon's not out of this number one, this race for the number one spot, I think that's really exciting, especially because – you just think back to where it was, even in like mid-March, right after Ty Thompson committed, there was a really long break where Oregon just had almost no momentum recruiting. Um, and now you look up at it, 16 verbal commits, like you said, most of them of the blue chip four or five-star variety. And a guy like Wilt Funk suggesting, at least, Oregon can't be discounted from the top-rated class. Man, things have changed pretty quickly, haven't they?
1: Yeah, Oregon, Oregon has gone on a run. Uh, if you are a VIP subscriber, you will have read in the inside read – on Tuesday morning about Oregon's run landing Terrell Tillman on March or May 1st to now. They've basically gone getting a commitment every week. There's, I think, a 13- or 12-day stretch between commitments in there. But they've added just heft to this recruiting class. Um, five-star Troy Franklin, Bram Walden, a top 100 player, um, just picked up Isaiah Brevard. Just The class is just building and building. And then that's already with the guys they, they had previously. Uh, Kyron Ware-Hudson, Keith Brown. So the, the Ducks are just kind of piling it on. And I think there was a lot of, like, what's going on. Oregon's got the number – I think the lowest they were at somewhere in March or early April was 28th in the team rankings. And now they've just shot all the way up to number five. So um, as, we, as you just said and as Will Funk's article points out, Can the Ducks have the number one class? There is a scenario. Uh, Is it a likely scenario? Maybe not so, but Oregon to even have themselves in the potential to get a number one class is quite amazing in itself, considering that Oregon has only ever had a top ten recruiting class one time in program history. A handful of number 11 finishes, a number 12 finish, a number 13 finish, but never – right there in the top 10, except for that 2019 class, which was number seven. So um, truly historic stuff. And I think it's just, it's only going to get better from the Ducks from here on out. It it is what it feels like. I think the cool thing
0: about this particular podcast is we are going to break down the best case scenario on the back end of this, of of what if Oregon really just, they go seven for seven, eight for eight, they land all their top guys. What could in theory happen? I think it's going to be kind of an interesting scenario. Kevin's going to help us break that down. But first, before we get to that, I, I think it's important now, Oregon, let's reflect kind of on this class. Oregon has, like we said, 16 verbal commitments spread across a variety of position groups. Let's really just run through the position groups and kind of say, do we think they could take another spot here or another player here? Does it feel like a spot that it's completely filled up? Obviously, let's start at quarterback. The Ducks have their quarterback in Ty Thompson. We should note he was just um, added to the Poly Bowl roster earlier this week uh, another All-American uh, in this class uh, opportunity for him to show on a big stage uh, what he can do before he gets to Oregon um, and obviously if you've been paying attention recruiting recently and, and there's not been a lot of actual opportunities to watch sports but there was an opportunity to watch Ty Thompson throw the football around last week um, at the Elite 11 camp down in Nashville and boy did he look the part uh, I don't think there's any questions that Oregon needs to find another quarterback in this class They've got their guy Um, in Ty Thompson. uh, They're done at this position. I just don't see a scenario where they would ever add a second quarterback. I I think at one point we thought maybe like if somehow Caleb Williams is like, I want to go to Oregon, that would be the scenario where they take a second, but he's now verbally committed to Oklahoma. It's pretty clear where he's going. And there's just not really anyone else on the board, unless Kevin has
1: some sort of crazy narrative. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Shut that down. down. I think that's kind of where Oregon's been is you just look at the quarterback room um, I put this together last week. I mean, for 2020, I mean, yes, there will be some that are gone, but they have four Elite 11 finalists on the roster Pretty awesome. right now. And that's Anthony Brown, Tyler Shuck, Robbie Ashford, and Cale Millen. That doesn't even include Jay Butterfield, uh, who didn't go to the Elite 11 finals but was still a top 200 prospect. So I think the quarterback room is in a great place, especially adding Ty Thompson. Uh, running back room – kind of like the quarterback room is just as full. And the Ducks have a commitment from seven McGee. Um, there is the possibility that they do take a guy like Ty Edwards, a Juco out of Florida or a Prophet Brown out of Northern California to supplement. But you look at the running back room, they got Trey Benson last year, uh, Sean dollars and Javon Wilson the year before that. Um, some of a lot of me thinks they're just going to look towards that 2022 class and be content taking seven McGee, uh there is still a possibility, but I mean, Seven McGee is an electric player. We just haven't been able to see him play high school football due to some transfer issues uh, between moving in California and New York. Love Seven
0: McGee. I Think he's got extreme upside, and and it really is a kind of player that Oregon I think became really famous for around the start of the twenty ten decade. He's you know draws comparisons to Anthony Thompson, Thomas, and I should say I'm not just throwing that out there. That's the twenty four seven sports official comparison is to d'anthony thomas so um and i think it's a fair one obviously he's not quite to that explosiveness i don't think but certainly an exciting player and, and yeah he ends up at oregon here in a couple of years uh, that's going to be interesting to see how he fits into everything they do because he doesn't he's not really comparable to anyone currently on the roster probably closest to like a travis die but even that doesn't feel particularly uh fair to everything he can do in terms of the open field wide receiver we spent a lot of time talking about this um Oregon now with three verbal commitments with with Franklin uh Ware Hudson and Brevard love all three of these guys I've talked about it at length I'm not even going to run through too much here we we, because we spoke a lot on Saturday about this but Dante Thornton the obvious name that you throw in there probably to get to four maybe an Xavier Worthy who we should note also has an announcement coming up this week um but I'm thinking this is four unless Kevin
1: thinks they can really stretch it to five maybe yeah I think it just comes down to the numbers which we've kind of what we're, we're talking about right now and I just I don't know that the numbers are there just on the overall 85 I mean there is the hard limit of 25 kids in this class for Oregon uh just due, due to the um initial counter rule which I don't think will be the issue for Oregon. I think it will just be the overall 85 scholarship players just because there isn't a huge senior class next year unless a lot of guys transfer leave the program and a few more guys than expected to go to the NFL. Um, and that brings us to tight end where the Ducks really needed to get at least one guy and they went ahead and got two blue chippers in Terrence Ferguson and Maliki Matavau. Um Two tight ends is more than enough in the class. The Ducks are incredibly fortunate and worked really hard to get those two guys. I think it's, uh, it's going to provide long-term at the position, uh, especially with Cam McCormick. Uh, getting his extra years, uh, Spencer Webb, Patrick Herbert also on the roster. I think the Ducks are in a great spot now at the tight end position where maybe going into this fall camp, you had some questions about long-term of the position. Now the Ducks are set up for the long-term uh, because of those guys. Yeah, they're, they're done. You're not taking a third tight
0: end. And, and frankly, they got, I think, arguably the two best tight ends out West, certainly two of the best, three or four, if you look at the the rankings. Um, Uh, I think it's, what is it? The Cal type end commit, Jermaine, Terry, and then uh, Brock Bowers. Yeah. Out of Nevada, Uh, right out of California, I should say, because Matavai was from Nevada. (laughs) Offensive line. uh, They've currently have three verbal commitments right now from Bram Walton, Jonah Miller, and then of course, Jackson light Um, three, four-star prospects, three really, really good offensive line prospects. I think you see, one, maybe two more in this class, if it's the right two. Um, obviously, some names we're going to talk about in the second half, um, but names that you know, Kingsley Matia, and Bryce Foster, probably the two, two names to know right there. Um, Kevin, I think definitely room for a fourth, especially with a player like Kingsley, who's, who's been in Oregon lean for a while. Um, five seems like they could do it, but maybe that's similar to wide receiver where it really comes a number crunch at that point.
1: Maybe it has to be the right guy. And I think just looking at the way the board is right now, um, I think Kingsley kind of, I mean, he's been an Oregon lean for quite some time now. Uh, I think he's kind of definitely got that tabs on that four spot, but if a guy like Bryce Foster, J uh Jagerburn is another name to, to kind of keep an eye on both top 100 offensive linemen that I think the ducks would, would have to figure a way to make room because they're just that good at the guard position. Um, and it also should be mentioned, we can mention it later in the show, talk about it a little more in depth. Bryce Foster is also an elite track and field prospect. He's one of the best shot put throwers at the high school level in the country. So um, might be a good double whammy for Oregon there. And maybe Robert Johnson in the track program would be helping push that.
0: Just drive him by the new Hayward field, which I've, just driven by a couple times in the last week, and my gosh, the progress there. It's going to be really fun to go watch some track and field there uh, in the next, when, yeah. whenever that's possible, I should say. I was going to put a timeline on it, but I don't think we can really <laughs> suggest that that confidently. Um, Kevin, defense, defensive
1: line. Yeah, what, what yeah, do you Defensive line. You've got one commitment right now in Terrell Tillman, um, but I think the Ducks, that's kind of the next position you're going to see uh, some stuff maybe go down. Keanu Williams announcing this Saturday, uh, guy the Ducks offered. Kind of incredible. I mean, I, I re looked this up this morning, this morning just to make sure, but um, they offered him in January of 2019, have been on on him that long, have kind of felt like the, the presumed leader for the last six months, really. Uh, and so I think that that will help add to that. They'll put that at two. And then on the defensive line, it's just if a really good prospect comes along that is a can't miss, or it's just a piece that Oregon doesn't have. Yesterday, they made an offer to a four star defensive end out of Alabama. Um, some other defensive offers have gone out, but I think the two names that really stand out are Corey Foreman, the number one prospect in the nation, and JT Tulumalao, the number two prospect in the nation, both on the West Coast, both have visited Oregon uh, at least once, if not multiple times, and uh, talk about that a little more in the dream scenario, but I think the Ducks are set up for some decent success because of how they've recruited in the past a defensive line, but I think that's a position that they they could take three and, like offensive line or wide receiver, they could take a fourth if it is truly one of those elite guys like JT or Corey.
0: I'm going to suggest you might have just pronounced uh, JT's name better than it ever said on the Otsnadolos podcast because Matt and I were butchering it um, in a different way. So I'm just going to suggest that how Kevin said it, it's probably the way those listening should also be saying it because <laughs> I think we we're calling Tuamalalo a Malalo or a Malo. Um, anyway, Polynesian names, they're, they're tough on the podcast. Kevin here coming in clutch with some better pronunciations. Off the edge, um, and this is a – Oregon has one verbal commitment from Brandon Buckner. Um, Kind of a hard one to know exactly how they're going to use him. Is he going to be a standing stud kind of player? He's listed as an outside linebacker. um, Or will he be somebody who eventually puts his hand down? He's a little undersized at 6'1", 235. So, I understand uh, kind of maybe some lack of clarity there. But we'll call him just an edge player. Um, Fits either as a stud or or maybe as a defensive end. Oregon has one verbal commitment there. I I could – you know – and. Kevin just mentioned that Oregon's been making some offers to some, some edge players and and some defensive end prospects. Um, Maybe that plays out, but I I don't necessarily think that they're going to take another player here unless it's the perfect guy. Cause I I do think actually like long-term on the roster scholarship wise, they've got quite a few
1: fits that are younger that kind of work in that body type. I I think that's uh, something, I mean, the edge is an important position, especially in Andy Avalos' defense. Uh, but you have seen guys like Trevin Mae and Isaac Townsend kind of okay. step up, and I mean, the the difference they made from when they first enrolled last summer to this the the truncated spring ball this year, um, it kind of shows there's a body type that Joe Salavea, Ken Wilson, and Diablos like for their defensive front, and they like to work with. And so I think if there are some guys that have that body types like a Christian uh, Burkholder, uh, who they just offered yesterday out of Alabama or two days ago. Um, that's a prospect that I think maybe, okay, he's six, 230 pounds and they can turn him into an absolute force on the edge. That's a guy maybe you offer, but I think they're pretty done there. Um, linebacker right now, they've got Keith Brown as an inside backer, one of the top inside backers in the nation and one of the, the top prospects in the state of Oregon in quite some time. Um, Got that commitment from him. I don't, I don't think they necessarily need to take another one, just with additionally how well they've recruited, getting Justin Flo and Noah Sewell last year at the inside position. Under Andy Avalos, outside linebacker has kind of become a little more of an interesting position. So I think you might see some guys shift to the edge, and insides may play a little outside responsibility. So I think they're pretty good there.
0: Yeah, linebacker, I think, is a position where Oregon has so many currently on the roster and they just had so much success in 2020. You think about landing literally the two best linebackers in the country in that class um, only one right now, but it's one other one of the top linebackers in Brown. I, I think, yeah, they're pretty well suited long-term at that spot. Defensive back, three verbal commitments right now, um, all in the cornerback position here. Um, all of the bigger size as well. Jalen Davies, um, Juco, Chadarius Perkins, and then Darren Barkins, we should say all, all three players over six feet, clearly a certain body type. Um, that Rod Chance and Keith Hayward and just, I guess, Andy Lopez and the whole defensive staff really liked. Um, Oregon went out and got all three of those players. I could see them maybe adding – I would imagine they'd at least like to try to find a safety in this class if they can find one that that fits. And I wouldn't be shocked, at least they're – we should know they're in on some of these top corners out west as well, like a player like a Sierra Wright. Um, Obviously, Jameer Johnson was a target. He just committed to Texas over the weekend as well, but – um Oregon is going to be in on some of these top corners. But I, I don't know. I think this is a, a defensive back is kind of a hard spot, Kevin, just because it feels like they should take a safety. But who who right now is a safety that you feel really good about?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's a good question. Jeffrey Boston just put the Ducks in his top six. A little, in my opinion, under athlete out of Utah. Uh, just has a lot of skills. Uh, didn't test well in 2019. Didn't have the opportunity to see him test in 2020. So I think that's a prospect to keep an eye on at the safe position. Then there's also the possibility that Jalen Davies could move over to safety. I mean, he's long rangy, has that kind of versatile. I don't think he's a true uh, press cover corner uh, in the way that maybe uh, Sierra Wright or uh, Jairus Perkins would be. But I think there's there's some flexibility in that defensive backfield, especially as I think we're going to start seeing a little more dime in the future. So yeah, I think that's kind of where, where things stand right now in the Oregon recruiting class 16 commitments. And you feel that Oregon's in a great spot at basically every position. They've got someone.
0: Yeah. And I think that's how you feel. You run through this. I don't think there's one spot where I'm like, boy, they, I I think maybe the defensive line, if there's one position group right now that I think they really need to address or, or feel like that they have a chance to address a lot more significantly going forward. It's probably that spot. They have the verbal commitment from Terrell Tillman who, not to just – I like him as a prospect. I've watched this film. I just posted it on Duck on Territory about a week ago. It's exciting, explosive guy off the edge. But I think if that's the only defensive line prospect Oregon lands in this cycle, it's going to be probably a disappointment, especially considering uh, some of these incredible targets that we're going to talk about after the break here. Um, maybe that's the right time to, to segment here uh, to, to the break. So uh, we're going to take a quick break here and come back, and Kevin's going to run through – the dream scenario here for Oregon's 2021 recruiting class and talk about maybe they could really have a top, top recruiting class nationally. So we'll talk about that after the break.
2: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
0: All right, fellows, we're back on the Ots and Audible's podcast. I teased it before the break. We're going to now look at Kevin Wade's dream scenario for the 2021 recruiting class. And we should say, to this point in the class, it's already kind of gotten there. Like, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, 16 verbal commitments, potentially 17 later this week, all mostly from four- and five-star prospects. Kevin, let's run through this. Where do you start when you're composing your dream class like this? Are you looking at players that – Oregon has the edge for? Are you looking at players that maybe there's less clarity? How would you kind of put this together?
1: So the first things first, I I think you have to look at space. And we've talked about this, just the two of us, uh, many a time, definitely posted about it on the board. Oregon does not have a big senior class this year. And maybe Panay Sewell, Javon Holland, guys that will go as true juniors or redshirt juniors to the NFL, maybe C.J. Verdell, who tested the waters last year, decided to come back ends up going to the NFL, uh, there just isn't going to be that much space. And so when you kind of look at everything, do the math, you get to maybe 22, 23 spots that feels confident for him. Oregon can't go over 25 due to signing rules. uh, But right now, 22, 23 kind of feels like the right spot. So you, you take that number there at 16 right now. Then you go look at the 247 crystal ball and kind of what I, some of the stuff that I've learned uh, other experts in the two four seven network have learned. Um, there are three prospects that hold a very strong organ edge. I think all hundred uh, percent from lead experts in the two four seven sports crystal ball. And that's Dante Thornton, the nation's number six wide receiver King Sua Mathaya, the, um, I don't know where he's ranked, but he's top 100 uh, offensive lineman and then Keanu Williams, who is a four composite and 247 sports four-star defensive end. Add those guys to Oregon's class, puts them at 19 commitments with a composite class score of 275.81. That's 19 commitments, and you're almost at Oregon's best class ever, which matches 2019's class of 277.98. So they're right there in that composite class score with seven less commitments. And and
0: we should note, Kevin, that it's not crazy at all to think those three guys end up at Oregon and maybe not that far down the line either. So, I mean, like, yeah, they, they could get to this top recruiting class almost in the blink of an eye. It, it, and and
1: that, and that doesn't I mean, that doesn't mean – I mean, ranking can still change. Ty Thompson did see his ranking go up on 247 Sports um, in June, but that was before the Elite 11 Finals where yeah. he absolutely tore it up. So, I think – if you sit those 19 guys right there, Oregon already has his best class in my opinion. I mean, I think Ty Thompson should get elevated enough between the three services from what he did in Nashville um, a week ago. I think we will see those 19 be Oregon's top recruiting class if we redo this calculator after 247 Sports and all the other services redo their rankings in a month's time or so. So I think right there is kind of your, okay, Oregon's already got its best class with 19 commits. So, so where do you add? Yeah, I, I think you obviously start looking at, all right, who are the top targets nationally they're involved for? And you say JT Tuomala and Corey Foreman. I, I think the Ducks are right up there with JT. I think Ohio State has been the leader for the past six months for JT. Um, Washington, the, the, homes, the hometown school, right up there as well. Uh, it's kind of been a one and two. I think Oregon is right there at number three, really making this case for it. Look at how well we're recruiting. Look at how well we're, we're playing in the Pac-12. Um, I think there's some domination from Kayvon Thibodeau saying that like, hey, Andy Avalos' defense can, can put you as a true freshman into the draft conversation two years earlier. So I think there is some reason to think that JT or Corey, more likely JT would pick Oregon. But for the dream scenario, we're giving them both. As we mentioned earlier, Bryce Foster on the offensive line, top 100 prospect. That puts them at five with Kingsley. Uh, I think you add him. Sarah Wright, another top 100 prospect. Add him to the mix. So right there, you're at t- that 23 number. There are some other prospects like a, a Nathaniel Wiggins. Uh, as we mentioned, I think Jeffrey Boss is not, not high in the rankings, but he's a guy that Oregon, I think, could end up adding. But you add those guys to Oregon's class, I think it's the seven players, and you get a – Class composite score of three hundred four
0: point four five. Woo, three hundred is big time.
1: Yeah, I mean, not many schools crack three hundred. Um, just in general, I think what in twenty twenty three schools did it: Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. Um, for twenty twenty one, I mean, Ohio State is already knocking right on that door. Um, but it's rarefied air to crack three hundred. Um, I will note that if Oregon does land a JT and a Corey. Uh, Foreman. That that means that Ohio State and Clemson and USC, Alabama, all LSU, all those other schools that maybe push for a top five recruiting class every year, aren't going to be landing the number one and number two prospects in the country. They might not land other five star players, but uh, I think that's kind of where you get the dream scenario. Is it's going to it's going to take some tough sledding, or going to have their commits move up in the rankings and then land those elite guys to get a number one class? But I think that's kind of the dream scenario right now. Is if Oregon can somehow get this class to being over three hundred, it, it would just be unheard of for a school like Oregon, who has only had one top ten class, to just be able and do that. I I, I would be incredibly shocked if they did that. But I think even just getting above two eighty is incredibly impressive. And Oregon already looks like they're going to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean they're set. Two eighty feels. I mean the three hundred number is huge and. Do I feel confident that they're going to land both Foreman and Tumalau? Not at all, but it's not impossible. And I think last year in this time, we didn't think Oregon would land both Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. We probably thought they'd land one of the two. Um, so who knows? And, and the other thing is now, if we're just looking at where that would probably rank nationally, um, Kevin just ran through the past couple of years. Typically, on at, at score about over 300, you're going to be top two to four nationally. I still think if they, if they get that number, Ohio state is, is going to have the top class and Clemson is still going to be hanging close to, because Clemson and Ohio state both average about 94 to 95 per recruit. Um, Ohio state's got 298.06 right now with 18 verbal commitments um, and a 95.71 average. I mean, that, that class is a chance to be,
1: Incredible. They have 11 top 100 prospects right
0: now. It's absolutely insane. So,
1: And they're they're in on two more of the top players out West in Emeka Egbuka and JT, Tumala, which, I mean, Ohio State is pushing everyone across the country for probably the best recruiting class ever. That's what I was um, going to
0: say. That's what it looks yeah. like. That's what it looks like is happening. I think Ohio State might have – Oregon could have its best recruiting class by a mile and still be pretty – fall pretty short – of Ohio State because they might put together the best recruiting class since two four seven's been doing this almost. I mean, from yeah, a, from I
1: think what I'm projecting the 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 one thing and and who knows? I mean, there's a lot of unknowns still, but um, we might get to see these two teams not only face off on for some top recruits like a JT, but we, yeah. we get to see them face off in 2020 and 2021. So I think there's some there could be some pivotal matchups. Let's say Oregon comes out, the defense just absolutely does what everyone's expecting of them and shuts down Justin Fields in that Ohio state offense. I mean, there could be, there could be swings. I'm just, that's purely hypothetical, but I think if Oregon does want to land JT to that needs to happen. It needs to be the Kayvon Thibodeau show and three sacks against Justin Fields.
0: Yeah. So I think, I think just in looking at this, the dream scenario, even there, I, I feel like best case to me is second or third nationally um just because i think ohio state and, and that was the point i was trying to make just looking at what they've got and what the projecting to potentially have and of course if oregon lands jt and they don't that impacts things a little bit but ohio state's gonna have an incredible score and they're like one good verbal commitment from already surpassing what kevin just laid out for oregon's best possible recruiting score so i think second or third which again you get their second or third best recruiting class and of course this is a dream scenario that is unheard of unexpected I personally never even even in the last couple of years when Mario has been doing what they've done I don't know if I really thought they could ever do that and of course they're going to ha- There's still a ton of heavy lifting they still have to hold on to their verbal commitments and we should say I think there's going to be some could potentially be a lot of decommitments once there are visits available at some point which I assume is going to be made available before all of these classes are signed but at this point I guess who knows but uh, I, I think Oregon's in really, really good shape to land its best class ever and land a top five class. But I think the number one over recruiting class, maybe Kevin disagrees, um, that feels a little far-fetched with what Ohio State's doing.
1: It, it does seem like a, a big, big, big stretch to happen. And I, I will say, as you mentioned, decommitments, that's a big fear that a lot of analysts are talking about. Like, could we see record numbers, of decommitments? I think where Oregon – stands in its 16 commitments right now I think a lot of those guys are solid yes there are some guys maybe from further away or guys that start to get new offers and just want to take visits that open things up but I think the the bulk of this class feels very very firm
0: all right, Let's wrap it up right there. Uh, I think a really good discussion. I'm sure those listening learned a lot about kind of what could take place in this class. And you probably should, as, you, as you've heard us, you should be rather encouraged by the direction this is going if you weren't already. And I'm sure those listening have been as Oregon has just been dominating on the recruiting trail over the last, like Kevin said, basically since the start of May. Um, so let's end this podcast here, this Ots and Audibles podcast. You'll be listening to Matt's voice again, probably later on this week. But for Kevin Wade and myself, Eric Scopel, thank you so much for listening to the Ots and Audibles podcast. And we will talk to you later.